This is a Reconstructionist Radio production. Please visit AmericanVision.org to purchase this book or to read other articles. The Bounds of Love An Introduction to God's Law of Liberty by Dr. Joel McDermott Copyright 2016 Published by American Vision Incorporated Chapter 5 What Society Would Look Like A properly theonomic society in terms of civil government would be closer to classic libertarianism than any other common political position. There would be differences, of course, but in general, theonomic standards would simply require a radical reduction in the size and scope of civil government. It would require a stronger sense of law being a restraint upon government rather than a burden imposed by it. It would include a radical reorientation from a powerful, centralized government exemplary of a police state back to a free, largely volunteer-based focus on local community. We noted earlier where Hebrews says the Mosaic Law, quote, proved to be reliable, unquote, and that by it, quote, every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, unquote, Hebrews 2, 1 through 2. This means that the system of justice laid out in that law was perfectly just. The author of Hebrews then immediately adds that we should, quote, pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we should drift away from it, unquote. Hebrews 2, 1 through 2. This was certainly excellent advice for the author's audience, which was about to experience God's wrath poured out upon Jerusalem, A.D. 70, for its apostasy. But it is excellent advice for us today as well. We need to pay much closer attention to the abiding system of justice laid out in Old Testament law. We have certainly drifted far away from it, and the consequences for us have been stark. In which righteousness dwells. Two passages from Isaiah give us the imagery for a starting point perhaps better than any others. Both describe an ideal theonomic society although in different degrees and perspectives. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it and many peoples shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths, unquote. For out of Zion shall go the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. Isaiah 2, 2-4 This is a vision of world justice and peace. It is founded upon God's law. That law reaches all nations. The spread of that law will involve many court cases and settlements, perhaps even internationally, but will lead to peace. Not only will peace reign, but all military-industrial complexes will be abolished. They will be transformed into agricultural, science, and productive technology of all forms. Botany, husbandry, and food production will advance in all ways. Nations will no longer devote such tremendous resources to, quote, learn war, unquote. 
all the time, energy and money sunk into militarism will be transferred to more productive areas. Isaiah elaborates more later. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. No more shall there be in it an infant who lives but a few days, or an old man who does not fill out his days. For the young man shall die a hundred years old, and the sinner a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For like the days of a tree shall the days of my people be, and my chosen shall long enjoy the work of their hands. They shall not labor in vain or bear children for calamity. For they shall be the offspring of the blessed of the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb shall graze together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox, and dust shall be the serpent's food. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, unquote, says the Lord. Isaiah 65, 17-25 This expands upon the earlier vision of world peace and prosperity. Now we have a great vision not only of peace, but of longevity. We also have promises of successful business and labor and great respect for property. There will be no taxation or socialism. Quote, they shall not plant and another eat, unquote. The state will not steal and give to others. These two visions alone help get us started answering the question of what a theonomic state would look like. It would not only be about changes in law and politics, it would include longer-term social and cultural improvement. This means that trying to develop a vision of theonomy, we are simultaneously developing a grand vision of liberty and peace. Let's not be naive, however. Such liberty and peace are built upon the most fundamental aspect of government, self-government. Without the self-government of the Christian person, there can ultimately be no liberty or prosperity. Thus, the civil applications of God's law are secondary, or at least only complementary, to the vital need for the individual conversion of the soul to Christ and the self-government under God's law that follows. These are the fundamental elements of Christian culture. With such Christian self-government and self-consciousness more widespread, we could begin to start expecting changes in civil law and government as well. Christian freedom. For starters, the religious foundations of social order would be protected. Christian denominations of all denominations could flourish. Religious liberty would be protected. Those who do not wish to worship Christ may hold private opinions and even practice other religions. Freedoms of assembly and speech would continue and public debate and dissent would certainly be tolerated. Only purposeful Open disgrace and defiance would be prohibited. Traitors and revolutionaries would be banished or even executed in extreme cases. The civil government would be greatly decentralized and, in all cases itself, subject to the rule of law. It would be greatly limited in its scope and focus, its budget and treasury, and the nature of its army. Deuteronomy 17, 14-20 it would dare not undertake any measure of war without prayer and assurance of a just cause and would always exhaust every effort for peace first. 
This would forbid entanglements through international alliances, especially with anti-Christian nations. Exodus 23:32 and 34:15-16. No one could be forced to work on Sunday or fired for refusing to do so in most cases. Exodus 20:8 through 11, 23:13, Leviticus 23:3. Family authority Parental authority would be upheld by the civil government and its discipline honored. Those who attack parents have committed more than simple assault and battery. They have attacked the foundation of social authority itself. They could be subject to punishment, though the death penalty is now commuted to exile. Exodus 21:15 and 17, Leviticus 20:9, Deuteronomy 21:18 through 21. This law is not applied to children. Jesus upheld this law, Matthew 15, 1-9, Mark 7, 1-13, and it applied it to adults who cursed their parents. See Mark 7, 11. Quote, a man, unquote. On this principle, incorrigible criminals can earn the death penalty as well, and others lose the right to vote. Government agencies such as Child Protective Services or Departments of Family Services would be abolished or stripped of power to remove children, divide families, or otherwise impose penal actions through civil or administrative courts. All government departments of education would be abolished. All government schools privatized and the primary responsibility for education would return to the family. Hope and private education would reflect the worldview of the parents, and thus would normally be explicitly Christian and express God's foundations of social order. Deuteronomy 6, 7-9-11-19-21 Property taxes would be eliminated, freeing citizens and families from the socialistic burden of financing the educations of other people's children and destroying the government's stranglehold over both property and education, a powerful tool of liberal activist and statist. Christians would be freed politically, religiously, and financially to educate their own children at their own expense and to the glory of God. Business, technical, and trade education would flourish. Ridiculous degrees in feminist studies and other fringe liberal arts propped up today only by enormous government subsidies, would largely disappear. The principle of honoring parents extends in certain ways to other positions of honor or authority. Cursing, not merely criticizing or challenging, government officials or other authorities is prohibited. Exodus 22:28. The most common relic of this principle used today is the crime of contempt of court though it may often be abused. Still formerly on the books or censures for things like contempt of Congress also. This legacy would continue, be more formalized and taught. It would be expected for people to honor the aged and elders in general as well. Leviticus 19.32 Judges and government officials, however, will themselves be held to strict standards of law and righteousness. Deuteronomy 16:18 Grievances will certainly be petitioned for redress and all government agents the few there would be held accountable 
Thus, parents and authority in general are protected from abuse. This is not because they are perfect, but because they are not. Even imperfect authority, however, is preferable to revolution and anarchy. These laws protect the social order itself. Life and Liberty Life would have its utmost protection in a theonomic state. It would be protected both by the state and from the state. Murders would be executed. Exodus 21, 12 through 14, 18 through 25, Leviticus 24, 17, 19 through 22. Children in the womb would be protected as living persons. Anyone causing injury to an unborn child would be liable for damages. Exodus 21, 22 through 25. Anyone willfully or through criminal negligence causing the death of an unborn child would be considered a murderer and subject to the death penalty. Abortion would therefore be strictly outlawed. People would be strictly liable for the safety of others on their property. Those found negligent would be strictly liable for damages up to and including criminal negligence for life. Exodus 21, 29-36, Deuteronomy 22:8. Pets or livestock known to be a threat to life must be controlled as such. If one should cause injury, damages, or death, the owner could be held liable for all damages up to the death penalty. Exodus 21, 29-30. The principle of liability in general, and for life in particular, certainly would extend to factory conditions, workplaces, businesses open to the public, machinery, and more. Under biblical law, freedom is an aspect of life. While a rehabilitational form of servitude would exist, the type of chattel, ownership, slavery practiced in the American South would never have existed. Kidnapping, human trafficking, and slave trading all would be punishable by death. Exodus 21.16, Deuteronomy 24.7 Likewise, terrorists, hijackers, all hostage-takers, and carjackers who hold people against their will. The slave traders of the Old South and other places would have been executed for their crimes. Likewise, the Fugitive Slave Act would never have been allowed. Slaves escaped from unbiblical jurisdictions would never be returned to their enslavers, but given refuge, freedom, and protection of law, and treated like every other citizen. Deuteronomy 23, 15-16 Refugees of war or tyranny would receive similar protections. By these same life-freedom laws, citizens and families would be protected from the state itself. Government agents who seize children from parents or who otherwise make false arrest or false imprisonments could be held liable under laws against kidnapping. Police abuse would disappear as such accountability increased. The privacy of the home would be inviolate. Deuteronomy 24:10-11. A man's home is his castle, and the castle doctrine would return to its earlier strength, uncompromised by loopholes created by the Supreme Court. Further, life is protected against malicious witness and fraudulent prosecution. Corrupt individuals who wish to harm others under the color of law will nevertheless meet several hindrances. Two or three witnesses are required to bring any conviction. 
Deuteronomy 17, 6, 19, 15. Upon any conviction, the accusers themselves must be the first among parties to an execution. Deuteronomy 13, 9, 17, 7. Malicious witnesses, however, when discovered, will receive for themselves whatever penalty they wish to execute upon the falsely accused, up to the death penalty. Deuteronomy 19, 16-21 This would create a powerful deterrent, which is non-existent today, against false accusations and false prosecutions. Government officials will be held to the same standards as everyone else. Prosecutorial and police immunities would be greatly curtailed, if not eliminated. The laws of warfare maximize the protection of life even during the tragic event of war. Standing armies and military drafts are outlawed. Militias can only be mustered in response to an imminent threat or attack from an enemy. The law provides several exceptions to militia service, including an exception for those who are merely fearful. Anyone perceiving any particular cause to be unjust and thus anticipating God's judgment, could decline to serve. This and all other exceptions would not only save conscientious and innocent lives, but would discourage unjust wars. Such conscientious objection would also be considered socially acceptable and even laudable. Only after briefing and allowance for these exceptions would officers be appointed. War proceeds first with attempts at negotiation for peace. If the aggressor refuses peace, war may ensue, but only against military targets. Militias may not target innocents or food or water sources. Upon victory, the nation may extract the cost of warfare from the defeated aggressor. Deuteronomy 20. This means no more lasting debts due to wars and no more tax increases or inflation to pay for them. In short, all attempts are made to spare innocent or conscientious life and warfare is only conducted to repel invaders or attacks. Such laws also entail a foreign policy of non-intervention in general. A theonomic state does not police the world looking for monsters to destroy. Marriage The government would have little to do with sex or marriage. The state would no longer issue marriage licenses. Marriages would be treated as private contracts. Divorces would be handled through private or church courts. Civil government would only enter the picture if necessary to enforce terms of divorce. The integrity of the marriage bed is protected against all forms of incest. Leviticus 18, 1 through 18, 20, 22 through 24. Homosexual marriage would not be a civil right. Leviticus 20, 13. Businesses could not be required to cater to homosexual celebrations, pretend weddings. Sexual acts with animals could be grounds for punishment. Exodus 22.19, Leviticus 18.23, Transvestitism, pornography, public nudity or indecency, and prostitution would all be shunned. Leviticus 19.29, Deuteronomy 22.5.23.17 Certainly no government could require businesses or individuals to treat transgenders according to their chosen non-gender upon pain of fines or imprisonment. 
no-fault divorce and easy divorce would be abolished. Overall, biblical law aims to uphold the biblical family unit, one man, one woman, and to abhor those forms of perversion that threaten its integrity or stability. There are a significant number of moral laws pertaining to sex and marriage, but few remain with civil government sanction. Property Some of the most profound improvements would be seen in the areas of property and contracts. First, private property would be a sacred right which would remain inviolate from neighbor, state, and enemy alike. Punishments for theft would be far more just than our prison system today. In general, the penalty for a convicted thief is restitution. A prison sentence in this light must be considered wholly pagan, unbiblical, and cruel. There is only a slight shade of comparison to what could occur under biblical law, and we'll cover that in a minute. More specifically, the standard punishment for theft is double restitution, Exodus 22.4, if the property is recovered. This involves one times the value for replacement of the stolen property and a second times value as a punitive measure. Thus, the thief loses exactly what he sought to gain from his victim. If the property is not recovered, the restitution will include any loss, production value, four or five times, or possibly more. Exodus 22.1, Proverbs 6.30-31 In the rare case a thief comes to his senses and returns the property before he is caught, he is liable only for full restitution plus 20%. Leviticus 6, 1 through 5. Thieves who break in during the night or whose actions are otherwise perceived to be life-threatening may be killed in self-defense or home defense without guilt. Exodus 22, 2. But even the lives of thieves are protected when it is clear they are not a threat to life. Exodus 22, 3. What happens if a thief steals only because he is poor and needs only to eat? Even then, Solomon says, restitution must be paid, Proverbs 6, 30-31. But what if he has no money to pay? What is required? This is where the nearest thing to prison, and I hesitate even to place it in the same sentence as that word, appears. It is indentured servitude, often simply translated, quote, slavery, unquote, in the Old Testament. The laws for restitution for theft clearly say that if he cannot pay, quote, he shall be sold for his theft, unquote. Exodus 22, 3. Before we recoil at the thought of modern-day, quote, slavery, unquote, let us stop and consider a couple of things. Biblical, quote, slavery, unquote, is not slavery in any sense we have understood the word in American history. It is not ownership of a person, has nothing to do with race, protects the rights of the servant, and imposes specific checks and duties upon the custodian. The modern prison system is far closer to American slavery than anything discussed in the Bible. It is this to which we should direct our revulsion. Modern prisons involve mass incarceration with chains, cages, mass strip searches, mass nudity, gang violence, fights, apathy, haplessness, loneliness, depression, mental illness, waste, sodomy, rampant masturbation, corrupt guards, 
drug trades, yes, even inside the prisons, and much more. When a prisoner leaves, he is often a far more hardened criminal and with more criminal gang connections than before. The biblical system, on the other hand, places applicable convicts in truly correctional or rehabilitation programs under custodians, quote, masters, unquote. They are designed for training in work, discipline, skill, self-confidence, morality, productivity, and community. Private programs similar to this description, though they are few, have far greater success rates than prisons and prevent recidivism at much higher rates as well. Under biblical servitude, custodians do have a right to corporal punishment, just as civil governments in general do. Deuteronomy 25, 1-3, and parents as well, but are held to strict standards of liability. If a scourging leads to an injury, medical care is the master's duty and the convict's right. Any permanent injury, even as slight as a tooth, results in the servant's freedom from their bonds. When a term of servitude is over, the custodian is required to supply the servant with capital for his future. Deuteronomy 15, 12-18 Biblical penal servitude is similar to modern probation in some ways. Probation involves the loss of certain rights, including the right to bear arms, the right to be secure against unreasonable searches and seizures, freedom to travel, the right to serve on a jury, and even the right to vote. The biblical model may or may not include some such things, but it would focus on the more beneficial aspects of training for work, social skills, etc., not provided under standard probation. Governments must enforce just weights and measures. Cheaters, whether individual, corporate, or governmental, must be convicted as thieves and pay restitution. Governments and banks especially may not inflate currency. Deuteronomy 25, 13-16. This standard forbids all forms of bribery and lobbying government officials. It also outlaws all forms of government-funded welfare, including corporate welfare. Government confiscation schemes based in, quote, asset forfeiture, unquote, laws would be abolished. All government taxation is theft and thus all government-backed redistributions of wealth based in taxation are outlawed. This includes property tax, real and personal, sales tax, income tax, payroll taxes, Social Security and Medicare, import and export tariffs, transportation and gas tax, all excise taxes, so-called, quote, sin taxes, unquote, on tobacco and alcohol, poll taxes, luxury taxes, ad valorem taxes, all license fees and other fees, and value-added tax schemes, and all others, all of them, gone. All public services would be privatized and be better off for it. Police, fire, EMT, 911 services, roads, bridges, libraries, Civic centers and even hospitals would be either privately funded services or else donor-based charitable services. Immigration would be no problem in such a society because all property would be private. There would be no government-owned property, roads, 
or borders in need of government agents to patrol or build a wall. Private property owners would be in full charge of whom they let on their property or not with the right of home defense against intruders. Further, there would be no welfare benefits to incentivize or reward interlopers who wish to seize amnesty even if they would be unwelcomed. In light of this, the immigrant population would be made of only welcomed and or hard-working guests. Honesty Like property, contracts would be strictly enforced. The state is charged with enforcing contracts and with punishing those who harm others via slander or libel, false accusation, or who pervert justice through perjury, peer pressure, conspiracy, discrimination, class warfare, or bribery. Exodus 23, 1-9 Further, the reputations of individuals and businesses would be protected from damages inflicted by slander or libel. The final decision in any case would fall to juries. Juries would be fully informed of their right to decide not only facts, but the nature and applicability of the law also. Judges would no longer be allowed to lie to juries concerning these rights, nor intimidate them in any way. Innocence must always be presumed, and the burden of proof lay upon the prosecution. Great care must be taken to avoid ever convicting the innocent or righteous. Exodus 23.7 Covetousness Finally, covetousness in itself is not punishable by the state, but it is to be forbidden to manifest in the form of the politics of guilt and pity. People who may grow jealous of their neighbor's wealth or success will not be allowed to engage in political class warfare in an effort to start government welfare programs. This also exposes the root of such political programs focusing on, quote, income inequality, unquote, quote, the rich, unquote, quote, the one percent, unquote, etc. The commandment is also helpful in confirming that property is primarily to be owned by individuals, quote, your neighbor, unquote, not the state. Yet if society was allowed to operate freely and the free market unleashed to address its needs and demands, collective wealth would grow. This has been demonstrated everywhere it has been tried. Wealth inequality may grow, but the collective grows as a whole with it, and the poorest are always better off than under systems based on covetousness. In a sense, by sinking the kingdom of God in its righteousness, law, first, all these things are afterward added unto you. Many biblical laws which still abide are not, quote, civil, unquote, laws. They lack any sanction for the civil government to carry out. They are still, however, social laws which Christ himself judges in history. If and when the people refuse to carry out such laws like sexual purity, right worship, and care for the poor, Christ himself will predictably bring judgment upon that nation. Leviticus 20, 1 through 5, 6, 22 through 24, 26, Numbers 33, 55 through 56, Deuteronomy 12, 29 through 31, 28 through 29, and Jonah. 
Likewise, if the nation adopts the ways of pagan nations around it, God still brings judgment in history. Conclusion The biblical vision of a godly society is much richer and broader in scope than many people imagine even heaven to be. It is life lived to its fullest and at its freest. It is love and action, the love of God and love of neighbor. Biblical law shows us the bounds of love, and these bounds are peace, liberty, justice, and the prosperity that flows from these. It is not hard to see that our society is far from this ideal in many ways, but that is no reason for despair. There are many ways in which we can be working towards our goals in the meantime. The vastness of liberty and great amount of widespread self-government required to make it work certainly seem like an intimidating challenge from our vantage point, but it is the vision and law given us in Scripture, and Christians are to embrace it in faith. We are to live it out to the greatest extent we can and promote it among the nations including our own time and place. We are to be faithful to the Great Commission, Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20 trusting God that he shall bring it to full victory. In the next chapter, we will discuss how this vision will come to pass. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology, Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.